0: Okay, here we go. Here we go. Mary, are we going? Love you, Mary. Here we go. Fold your hands, close your eyes, right where you are. Here we go. Lord God, Heavenly Father, grant to us, we beg your Holy Spirit, that we hear and accept your word, in order that, being cleansed in our minds and renewed in our lives, we may live only for you now and hereafter, through Christ our Lord. Amen. All right. good to see you. Uh, Lots of things to talk about, so we're going to go right on time here, but find a place... Let's see. Uh, so many things to think about. Uh, thank you very much for the steak fry things. I mean, it was very nice, and uh, as always, the Chesters were fine hosts two night in a row, and there were a lot of guys who worked very, very hard. So thank you for that. That was very good. Um, it's just nice to get people in one place, and also to have a low bar of kind of meeting people from St. John. I didn't go to the women's, but at the men's there were five or six people who brought friends, who were, and that was very nice, people who it was their first exposure to St. John. So that's a really, really good first exposure. Let's see. Uh, kids were great in service this morning. So, I mean, now, what happens always to you all is about August you start to come back, but everybody's discombobulated, and there's more of you, and everything is... But you notice then you have a morning like this, and this is typically about when we have it, kind of end of September, end of October, where everything, and you can tell it from the her- first hymn, is bang on, right? If you were in the first service, boom, boom, boom. The music was great. Pastor Bukes was great. The sermon was great. Dave Rickert ushered perfectly, right? <laughs> uh, no, I, seriously, whatever you did, Dave Rickert, uh, we could canonize you as the only possible usher, dismisser at St. John. But it literally took, it took about four minutes off the service um, because it was perfect. Full table every time, always full, nobody waited, da-da-da. Kids, actually, I don't know if you noticed, the kid noise was way down, Right. So that's interesting, because the same kids are here who were here six weeks ago screaming and yelling. So I talked to a few parents. Why is that? Because they're starting to get the rhythm. They see the other kids. They get comfortable. And it was a big crowd. We know it's a big crowd when you get behind us, which makes us nervous and also rejoice at the same time. But they're, you know, when we start to wrap around us, we know it's a big crowd. So anyway, things are starting to work, and that was, that was very, very, very nice. Um, we're going to put money in a basket. That's going to go to Russia, I think. So if you toss some money in... There you go. Also, still, if you want to do some disaster relief, uh, your alert trailer that you bought is world famous. You know, it appears on Facebook. It might even have its own page. I'm not sure. You know, it's all over. It's still uh, in Atlanta right now at uh, Pastor. Who's, who's church is that? Pastor Miller's church. Yes, thank you. When I'm old, Kirby will bind me up like Saint Paul, and take me places I don't want to go. <laughs> what? Uh, you think I'm just giving you more and more stuff to read? Oh yeah, next week I'm not going to be here. I'm going to be away doing a wedding for some church members. But here's the thing: Pastor Bukes is going to be here, and what he's going to do, I think, is his what he's doing for high schoolers live, which is like, this is so interesting. So you know, both he and Pastor Nelson, in their own way, are doing this theology of the body thing. What love? It's not. It's just a offshoot of. It's a different side of the coin that we're doing it here. You know, and it was interesting because I talked to Pastor Bukes a couple, and he said, you know, you would think this would be an easy question, right? What's the difference between boys and girls? Everybody knows that girls are just soft boys, right? So <laughs> check and It's an old mass joke. You got to watch TV more. So no, they just have their, well, anyway. So um, what's interesting, no, serious business. He said, what's interesting girls and boys? Dead silence. And finally he said, you're afraid to answer, right? And one of the kids said, we're not supposed to see any differences. Now, isn't that interesting, right? Right? Now, see, that's interesting. So anyway, he's going to do for you, like apparently he's been sending videos out to parents every week, or some parents getting these videos, which have gotten kind of rave reviews, right? I mean, they're kind of fun. So he's. I think he's now, it'll be interesting, I need to talk to him about this because... I don't know if you can call on kids in front of you because you know they have trouble talking in front of each other. But at least you're going to get an exposure to what this love and theology of the body and how things work, and trying to engage in a positive way. You know all the issues that kids face about sex and gender and life and men and women and all that. Um, in all of this, it's not a retreat to all the things that we did wrong in the past, but to try to think about this biblically and what it what it means. So you have the, what you basically have is. As often happens in St. John, everything's pulling in the same direction here, and then high school, and then Saturday morning, Thursday morning, men's Bible says i got no idea what goes on there. That is a direction all its own, right, Vic? Huh? Yeah, they are wanderers with their own North Star. That's, all, that's right. They just, with, you can't control them. You're just trying to contain them. So it should all, you know, it's, anyway, it should all work out. Now, okay, questions about any of that kind of stuff? Karen Crawford. Now, here's the thing: If I could have gotten money down in Vegas before I asked that question, I'd have put it on you. <laughs> What's your question, young lady? Ah, oh, Kleinig is good. I, I traded emails with him this morning. He wrote me a very kind email about his experience of going through this. But the best of it, among the among the many things, is he said, you know, it's been. Um, I have to think what I can. Say. He said he has this overwhelming sense. Um, that God and his angels have borne him up and has been quite without anxiety. So that's very nice. And he's healing up pretty well. You know, whether his, I think it's been harder. He said it's been harder than his wife because, of course, you often know this, the one who's sick has their own deal. The one who's giving care, you know, that's a very stressful thing. So pray for Claire, pray for John. So that's why he didn't appear in our midst. He was due to be here last week, and and, uh, he should be okay. All right, let me see if I got everything that I wanted to say to you. I think so. All right, here's the thing. I know I've given you a lot of stuff. Now, part of the reason I'm giving you a lot of stuff is because the amount of attention directed at this is overwhelming. So we've actually hit the right target. This week, you know, there was one New York Times editorial two Wall Street Journal editorials. I didn't even give you either of those two. And then there's, I gave you three or four things in the back, all about the world in its combustible state and how we might move through that, right? And, uh, you know, kind of keep the things together. I never know whether to print more or less. I will get all the way back to number two and sweep it up. But what's happening is the conversation is changing so quickly and so much stuff is being delivered to you, which is fun, We've got to sort of stay on top of it. So yesterday, I mean, my last... I was kind of late getting dressed this morning because, you know, I was reading Barron's yesterday. And um, so pick up the Barron's article, okay? It's the one that says Tech Giants play the Game of Thrones. Now, I'm sorry that the print is so small. I just, you know, I didn't have time to manipulate this because I read it yesterday. I had to come in early this morning and try to get this. So it's the, it's the dude looking at you. Now, for me, um, I actually sent this to my kids. I think this is a brilliant analysis of what's going on in the world, and it's so interesting to me that it's, uh, he was a bond analyst, and then he's uh, an entrepreneur, and now he teaches at NYU, and, you know, it's just, to me, it's the most fascinating, I love, one of the great things I love about tech people is, at the highest levels, the tech people speak extraordinarily clearly I mean, you can see, you know, the code is going from A to B to C to D. It is so wonderful just to have people put their chips on the table. Now, I know this is small, and I didn't get it quite formatted well for you, but I want you to turn to the second page. So turn past his face, go right to the middle. Now listen to this. This is Barron's yesterday, right? You couldn't do better than this. Go halfway down to the place where it says, now Google, you talk about it in religious terms. Do you see that? All right, now just listen to this. I believe Google is a modern man's god. This is brilliant. Our species throughout time has needed a super being to fill in gaps around huge questions we were unable to answer. Think how, look how clear that is. However, as a society becomes more affluent and educated, church attendance goes down. That's right, we get soft. Like I'm right with you. So we have this void. Google has filled that void. Suspend your apprehension. Just listen to this. If we were to look at everything you've ever put into that search query box, we would probably come to the conclusion that you trust Google more than any priest, rabbi, boss, mentor, coach, professor. I've observed this in my own children. If something goes wrong with your kid, your whole world stops. You start praying, and you look for some sort of divine intervention that sees everything and then sends you back an answer. Will my kid be all right? So you type symptoms and treatment of croup into Google. We trust Google more than any other entity. It is our God. That is a genius analysis of the world today. Every, everybody I know under 25, if they ask me a question, I mean, I'm sitting at dinner and they'll ask me a question. Before I'm finished, they're already Googling is Bruzek telling the truth. <laughs> in real time, people are... Anal- now, now, here's the thing. And I didn't, you know, I didn't even notice this till this morning. I noticed this was only two pages in, in Barron, so it ran four pages, and I, sometimes the comments get vociferous. So I want to make sure somebody didn't drop a bomb on you in the comments. But go to the very first comment, which I then left on so you could see. Now, this is, this is exactly... The, look, you couldn't set it up better than this. Look at this. Um, two things, um, and I'll, I'll go with both of these. The best definition of a genius that I ever heard was an individual who perceives relationships that others do not. Scott Fitz the Bill, this guy, the Bond guy. This interview blew my mind. When I read it too, I'm like, this is completely bang on. Then look at the next one at the, at the, at the bottom. He quotes the thing I just read to you. This is the same thing the guy picks up. He goes, how unfortunate to feel this way. Now, so here's the setup. This is the world. You're here this morning. Everything is great. You're reading John 1. You think your world is fabulous. And you have somebody who's extraordinarily influential and smart. I mean, this guy is a flippin' genius, right? And he's heard everywhere. There is this cabal at the top, and they talk to each other. And it's, it's the way it always is with things in power. Generals talk to generals. That's how the world works, right? The implication is that God is fake and a crutch, and only the poor and the uneducated could possibly believe in him. For me, his description of Google sounds more like the Antichrist, not an altar that I wish to worship at. Now, here's the thing. That's not wrong. It just doesn't advance the conversation, right? So let's just keep talking in different directions, right? Because you can make an extraordinarily rational argument that Google is the new God. In fact, in some ways, better than your old God. You know why? Because when you ask Google a question, he answers. Now, whether or not it's true or whether the Russians happen to post it, you're not sure. (laughs) Right? But that's one of the glorious things about idols. They answer. Right? One of the ways you can tell an idol is that they always answer. One of the ways you can tell the true God is that he sometimes mystifies you. Sometimes begs your patience. Sometimes does opposite. Google is just the amalgamation of a lot of human beings, right? It's just human, human information, human wisdom writ large. Sometimes it's got it, sometimes it doesn't. Now, here's the thing. I think, this is for my money, he's right and he's worth every dollar. My whole subscription for Barron is worth it for this two-page article, because it's so crystal clear and it's outside from the, uh, the, uh, the exact same diagnosis from somebody on the opposite side who's, uh, I think, you know, he's genius, this guy, right? Okay. So you get that and then you get immediately a pro and a con. He's a genius. He's the antichrist. I mean, you could not make this up, right? It's so, so the question for you is this is the world in which you live. You can like it or not, Right. There's no point in going on saying millennials are stupid or this world doesn't exist or the postmodern world isn't really here or the modern world is fabulous or I wish I. This is the world in which you live, right? This is the world into which Jesus calls you to be a witness. This is what Jesus asks from you, that you would be a witness in this world. Okay. All right, you good? I mean, just as I just, yes, Mr. Wente. So, this is something you said from past continue to say that the original sin is man wants to be God. Yes. And so, today's world, or we'll go back 50 years ago, right. if, you can't, if man can't explain it from man's limited knowledge, then it just can't be true. That's right. And so it's the same thing that Google, or whatever information source you pick, is it offers a, an explanation that people can get around because it's rational, at least from their part of the knowledge. Right. And 500 years ago, people explained things differently based on their knowledge base. Here we have a different knowledge base. Right. But still, if it's not within our knowledge base, it can't be true. Exactly. And so you often, we normally get this thing where... Um, some percentage of kids go to college, and then they report back that they, well, that St. John stuff was nice when I was there, but I went to college and I learned all about it. I just want to say, yeah, I went to college and learned all about it too, okay? <laughs> right? And it's, it's a cheap shot because you can't, you can't joust from afar, right? So I completely agree. Same, same problem. Adam decided that he'd be a better God than God. That is the single sin. It is pride, and it basically says, I'm better than you. Right? I'm better than you. This is a great, great, great danger. Um, I see you, Bruce, but i got one other thing I'm trying to retrieve from the back of my head toward Mr. Wente. And I just have to see if I can do that for a second. Um, well, there's, there's, there's nothing new on this one. Go ahead, my other thing will come back to me. What's up? The, the response that was posted, was the second response. Yeah. Is not not a valid witness? I mean, we are called to witness. Yeah. Is, is, in, in your opinion, is that the right way to do it, or is that, I mean, in this, in this era of information, we are called to witness. The question is, how do you witness it that, you know, doesn't offend Hold on to your shorts. That's where we're going. So let me ask you, do you think when the guy read the very first two comments, do you think, so when he read the second comment that said, you're the Antichrist, do you think he said, I never knew, I'm going to quit all my boards and uh, resign my professorship at NYU and um, go to seminary? Yeah, I don't think that probably happened to him yesterday. So then you, now you phrased it in a very well, do you think that was a valid witness? I think it's valid, I think it's a witness, and you said the third thing, which is true, too. I think the jury is still out. But if you have to put money down on Vegas, I got a lot because I got down on Karen at 5 to 1 on the first question. So, you know, I'm ready to double down on this and nothing has changed for him. So, you know, yeah. I, and so here's the thing. Go to church today and listen to the lessons. It always happens as we move through the year. You're supposed to be growing up now. You get adult language. The end is coming. Things get a little more tense more and more now, so first you're going to have you have prophets who get disappointed in the people, and then you get God this morning disappointed in the people. You're going to tell me I'm not just, the Old Testament reading for today. Why can't you do things, the epistle for today, why can't you do things with obedience instead of goofing around and grumbling all the time? Why can't you just be happy with what you... Yeah, it gets tougher, right? It gets tougher as we go. Who was John? Was he from heaven or was he from earth? Well, if we say this, right? we say that, if we Google up the answer, well, right, okay. So the question is, this goes back to everything else we've done now. So we can either be superior and angry, and you can be crabby at your kids around the Christmas tree again this year. And we can sort of say to people, you're going straight to hell. And you, know, you can protest people. with, some, Or you can have a steak fry and maybe your friend will come. And then maybe they'll start to think that Christians maybe aren't so bad. Or at least not. Because believe me, the other side thinks you're the Antichrist. Just in case you wanted to know. And if everybody always thinks everybody's the Antichrist, nothing's getting done. Right? It's North Korea. You, there's two ways you can do this. This is exactly the same for witness. You can both punch the buttons, right? That's one way to solve it. The other way is you might want to talk things over. Yeah, I know there's a lot of muddle in between, but those are your two options, right? You can go hard or not. And a lot has to do with your mindset, who you think you are and what you think you're protecting, well, right? It's, it's a Holy Spirit's job, it's That's right. right. So, when you're mad, so. the entree to, Well, you stay right there, young man. You're going to get your money's worth right now. <laughs> All right? We should probably read a text. Okay. Jaker, how are you? Good. How do we not become, though, exactly the same as everybody in this regard? I mean, I feel like amongst Christians, non Christians, et cetera, I feel like. We live exactly the same way. I mean, we're enraptured in this... I mean, say Google, for example. You know what I mean? Like, I don't see a practice differently amongst... You know what I mean? And, and, and I feel like it's latent. Like, it's it's a hidden in, influence in our lives as far as how we, how we live. We confess a certain thing, but then in, in practical outworking of it, you know... All these things. I mean, secularism or whatever. But how do we not... How do we stay out of that? Or how are we different? Or... Are we different? I mean- Great. Yeah, we are. Yeah. But here's how. We did this last year, or maybe the year before. No, we did this with the Creed last year. So, um, a scientific viewpoint. Science is a different game than going to the Eucharist. A scientific viewpoint says, and there's nothing wrong with this, Right? So don't, don't automatically become anti-science. A scientific, in the, like this is just broad overstatement, okay? If I can't measure it, it doesn't exist. Or if I can't see it, it doesn't exist, right? Okay, well, every, only things that are going to be in your universe are things you can see or measure or see broadly, you, can, you know, light rays and everything, right? All right, that's... In fact, I, you know, a couple of times I've been lurking on Kirby's email, Facebook... She didn't know I was in your email. <laughs> Wait till she finds out I've got find my friend on her phone, too. I'm like, what's Kirby's doing over there? What's Kirby doing at the Hex house? There is, um, I don't know if you've seen this, I've, I, a couple of times it's come up in the broader stream, and I've watched it twice. I rarely watch a video on... Uh, but a couple times I've, I've watched this. There's a, I think he's a Google engineer. I suspect he's Muslim from the way he talks. And also um, from his name. It's a, I don't know, have any of you seen this? It's, a, it's a, clearly a man who is very well spoken and very bright and very calm. And he talks about how he was on vacation with his son and he came home. And four hours later, his son was dead. His son was named Ali. Do you remember? Has anybody seen this? Watch watched it twice, it's come up, and I've watched it both times because I'm so intrigued at the hard rationality of it. And, you know, I, I just want to say, I have not a bad thing to say about this video or about the guy or somebody who's lost a child. I mean, I just don't have one bad thing to say about it, okay? Um, so he very crisply speaks about, and you should go watch it and I should go find it for you because I don't want to misrepresent it, but he basically says this. I'm on vacation. I love my son. I come home four hours later. My son is dead. I think he must have had some kind of virus or some kind. It wasn't like an accident. I think he died. Boom. And he said, it's a break point in my life. I'm summarizing. He was more elegant than this. It's a break point in my life, and I have a choice. And he uses the analogy of glass of water. He says, here's a glass of water filled to the middle. This is my life. I can either look at the half that's empty or I can look at the half that's full. And then he says something like, it's utterly irrational to look at the half that's empty because that won't bring my son back. And I notice that this is a very coder, techy, scientific, kind of high-level way of... You eliminate from possibility the things that are outside which you can change. This is a very rational way to go through life. He sa- and he says, I can't do anything about my son. I can't do anything about this, the empty half of the glass. But he basically says, but I can engage and embrace and rejoice in the half of the glass that's full, right? Now, in one way, this is not unlike, and if you've kind of followed Cheryl Sandberg, you know, at Facebook and the loss of her husband, and she gave this kind of brilliant and emotional speech, I think it was at Cal, she gave the... Commencement address and she talked about you know her husband dying and you know what that meant to her and how she moved through that There's this whole thing kind of growing up Gosh, Everything is connected to everything and I, I can't I can hardly get there with you because there's so much to do They did this whole thing about growing up uh, And trying to find answers to things that are beyond code beyond rationality that actually is in this article there's a thing in here about Zuckerberg. I, I think it's in this. I've read so many things this week. Um, uh, hold on just a second, just a second. Where he talks about, he basically says, um, I don't know, I've, been, I've read so many things about this because the themes are always, he basically says, Facebook thought it was a platform for everyone to speak freely. What they've realized is they're just another media company and the fourth estate has responsibilities and they haven't admitted this yet, right? Every one of these questions is tied by the same thing, which is there's this morality of, do we just take money from everybody? Oh no, the Russians, right? Google and and, and Facebook both this week and going before Congress should be very interesting, right? I mean, as, as one guy, whoever, I think it was this guy or somebody else, he said something like, you know, if they're paying their account in rubles, you should be able to discover that with all your databases. You're like, <laughs> Yeah, we have 200,000 different, different people paying in rubles. And you're like, oh, yeah, it could be a clue, right? But this whole notion that you can live without morality, that everything is about thinking that you're above it all, sure, it's great until real life happens, right? until people die, until you have questions about God, until you have questions about identity, until you have questions about responsibility, we can either see this. This just goes right to your question, Bruce. It was genius, okay? So here's the deal. We can either say we're in our silo, and this is the way life is, and to hell with everybody else. Or we can say, this is a great opportunity, right? For an alternative perspective, where being reasonable, being logical, means giving reasons. We did this last year. There's very few things that are locked down with mathematical precision. In fact, almost the only thing that gets locked down is mathematical proof, logical proof, pen to paper. But real life is messy. And our confession, Jake, all the way back to you, is that real life is played out here, right, with this interchange between God and us. Google up all you want, right? How can I make my wife happy today? See what happens. Follow the directions, right? However, you'll understand that your wife's happiness has much to do with Pastor Bukes' topic about what's the difference between boys and girls, right? It feels like we're never going to go anywhere, but here, what's going to happen is, if you just, I'm, I'm being serious, if you can just stick with it, what will happen is all of it will come together at once. I'm not kidding you. It'll just, just it'll all come together, It'll all come together in 17 minutes. Everybody okay? Stay with it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. First five verses of John's first chapter. There was a man sent from God whose name was John, John the Baptizer. He came for testimony, um, technical word, to bear witness to the light, another technical word, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness to the light. So, point number one, point number two. The true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world... He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world knew him not. He came to his own home, and his own people received him not. But to all who did receive him, who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, who were were born not of blood nor of will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth, and we have beheld his glory, we saw it, glory as of the only Son from the Father. John bore witness to him and cried, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me, for he was before me. And from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace, the title of Kleining's last book for the law was given through Moses grace and truth came through Jesus Christ no one has ever seen God the only son who is in the bosom of the father he has made him known okay it's very familiar to you we read it every Christmas day Christmas Eve it's genius stuff and it swirls okay so now go to the outline that's number four someday I promise you I'll come back to two and three but, you know, it's just that things are all moving so fast. You've got you to kind of, not you, I've got I to kind of keep up. I mean, every day this is coming at us. So just pause for a second, relax into this, okay? Just a little bit of background, and we're going to get our feet under us a little bit. I know this is kind of swirly, but if you can just keep reading, if you can stick in, if you can listen, if you can not react, you know, if you can just, it's all going to be Okay. So, we do a bit of history with the text, and we're going to circle back to our world and opportunity to love. And in a moment, we're going, to lead, we're going to read about Jack Ma, you know, Alibaba founder. What's he saying on the weekend? Everybody needs IQ, EQ, and LQ, love quotient. What? You're running the new Amazon for China, right? And really? What you, what you say to people, it's like Mark Cuban the other day who said, you know, don't bother studying coding if you go to college right now. Coding is over. With artificial intelligence, computers will code themselves. If you're going to college right now, study philosophy because you'll need to be able to make moral choices. It's all coming back to us. If you can just like stick in there, and let me just say, and if it doesn't, right, you know, your worst option is, you know, you're on the steak at Steve Chester's house at the next steak fry when the fire goes up. It'll all be okay though. Okay? I couldn't help but think of that when the fire went up. Do the women have an equally large fire? I mean, we were, several of us, dialed 911 kind of secretly. (laughs) But, uh, you know, none of us would admit it. Okay, so, St. John the Apostle. He died probably around 100. I gave you or 125. Not because I want to argue with any New Testament scholars. I just, like, I don't actually want to argue. Most people say he died around 100. Some people stretch it out to 125. We do know he was the only one that died of natural causes, the other 11 disciples. (laughs) John goes to Patmos, writes Revelation, dies of natural causes, probably around 100. Why is that interesting? Because, as so many things happen, you who've been to the Middle East will completely understand this, right? In about 1920, a bunch of um, scrolls and codex. Codex scroll, you know, you rolled up. Codex is page. Codex means there's a. It's bound on the side. It was part of a book. So this codex turns up said to be from Thebes, around 1920, scraps of paper, 15 years later, they finally get around to translate it, lo and behold, right, it's got part of John chapter 18 on it, which is just a stunner, because it's dated around, now again, around 125, people argue from 85 all the way to like 175. And then there's some people who want to push it out to weigh to 300 or 400, which is kind of that's putting the fix in. Pretty much everybody says from style you can tell by the writing, you can tell by the carbon, all these things you can tell from. You know, so let's say John dies at 100, and you know this book is written at 125, or, or there's a page of a book already circulating. I mean, holy cow! That is, that is like, you can't, that's historical sort of people who like proof. You can hardly jam things together closer than that. It's amazing. Even if you push him out to 125 death and this thing is from 125, or if you push him to 125 and push it out to one, it doesn't matter. You've got a copy of the Gospel of John circulating in Egypt, you know, within, pick your number, 25, 50, even 100 years would be spectacular, Right? Yeah, it's pretty reliable, so the whole thing about, you know, it was all done later, three or four hundred, blah, 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 hey, the evidence is the evidence, okay, so yeah, uh, it's this famous thing, Ryland's Library, you can go see it in Manchester in England if you want, it's Ryland's Papyrus P52, and you can go have a thing, now here's the thing, just so you can get your feet under you for the Gospel of John, this kind of pulls together many of the things that I've tried to say to you. If you want to say what's the Gospel of John about, it's this. Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus the Messiah, right? Jesus is the Messiah. This is written for Jews. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus the Messiah is the divine agent. And that starts early where he says, and nothing was made that wasn't made through him. Because basically everything is made through Jesus, right? So the claim for divinity. Jesus Jesus the Messiah is the divine agent of the Father. Right? So in a sentence, that's, that could be the whole gospel. Of course, there's so many things going on, there could be other things. Here's another possibility. The Messiah, this Messiah, Jesus the Messiah, is the king of Israel. So you hear him talk about the king and his kingdom. And that comes from 2 Samuel 7. Many Old Testament people would argue that 2 Samuel 7 is the center of the Old Testament. Because it promises a king who sits on a throne and rules Israel forever or a jesus who comes to his church and rules the universe forever right second samuel 7 if you need some you know reading for this week many people would argue that is as critical as any chapter and in the entire old testament and that's what john picks up that jesus is the king of israel the servant of yahweh and the prophet greater than Moses. And I've given you the Deuteronomy 18 text there, which you're probably familiar with, where Moses says, yeah, I've had a pretty good run, but you know what? Someday, somebody bigger and better than me is going to come. And now, see, all the bells are going off because even the word, word, the logos, is the word that's used for Torah. Right? Right? So, Jesus is in some sense the Torah in the flesh. He's the Ten Commandments in the flesh. He's the Sermon on the Mount in the flesh. He in the flesh is a prophet greater than Moses. So, that's another way to talk about it. Turn the page. The king always has a kingdom. And this is, you know, some, vicar- Vic, this will be on your, be on your um, final exit exam at the seminary. You've got to get things in your head in short order. What's the kingdom of God? You'll want to say the forgiveness of sins. Now, for bonus prize, I'm giving you, I've seen these things happen. For bonus prize, they will say to you, give me one word that sums up the law and the gospel. Don't help them. The clock's ticking. It's just like when you watch Wheel of Fortune when you go home every day. Tick, tick, tick. One word that sums up the law and the gospel. Five, four, three, two, one. Help him, audience. Love. Jesus is good too, right? Love is the word that sums. So the kingdom of God is wherever God rules human hearts. But that's kind of clumsy, right? The kingdom of God is the forgiveness of sins. So you think tonight when you pray the Lord's prayer. Thy kingdom come. What's the kingdom of God? You're asking forgiveness to come down from heaven and wash the earth. Thy kingdom come. Forgive us. Thy will be done. Sanctify us. So being forgiven and living forgiven. Justification and sanctification. Our Father who art in heaven, you're holy in heaven. Hallowed, holy. You're holy. Your name is holy. You're holy. You're holy. Let your holiness come to earth as forgiveness. Forgive us all. Thy kingdom come. So make earth like heaven. Drop it down on us. And let us let us all obey gladly, right? Boop, 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 boop. So the kingdom of God is the forgiveness of sins. Five, John's gospel is just saturated with the Old Testament, and it's pretty easy to see how this plays out. You know, this has never happened to me before, but I'm not going to get done. Yeah, okay, okay. Enough with the sassiness, okay? Uh, so here's what we're going to do. Um, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to leave you like Jesus and not be here next week. There'll be a day when you'll see me and a time when you won't see me, okay? But then you'll see me again two weeks from today. But here's what I want you to do in the interim. Because um, what I want to do is I just want to introduce you to these three other pieces. Kind of read through the first chapter of John and read through these notes that follow, Okay. This from seven on. It's very self-explanatory. Even the Greek. You, if you're sophisticated enough, you'll pick this right up. But it basically gives you kind of the punch, the punch list for the first chapter of John. Boom, boom, boom. This is what's important. My thesis is, which I will try to work with the whole law, the whole year, is that for what the world is cry, the world is crying out for things, and we have them. The world is crying out for things, and yes, there are other possibilities. Your soul is restless. A, Google it. B, go to the Eucharist. Right? The argument is that the Eucharist is a reasonable possibility for no other reason than this. (laughs) We can't solve the problem because we are the problem. Right? It's so interesting. The same people who would appeal to artificial intelligence, right? And if you have been reading the stuff on this, it is so interesting when they talk about... So there was an interview last week with uh, Dennis Wenty, help me, or one of you tech geekers, uh, the, first, the new guy from Microsoft, what's the What's the CEO of Microsoft right now? Nadella. Nadella, right, thank you. There was an interview with him and Bill Gates. Did you see it? And they said... To the two guys, the guy said, Expl-, they start going with AI and then they go on, better than that is quantum computing. You're a geek, I remember this now. Okay, so here's the thing. They said, and maybe you could do this, they said to him, can you explain in a sentence quantum computing? Which is apparently some, it's like, it's like AI with angel's wings apparently. So, and then they both said, not in a sentence. Now you see, that's so interesting. Because if you can understand anything, you can explain it in a sense. What's kind of fun is that people say, we can't really understand this. But they're the people who will actually do it. It's so—it's just so interesting where it all is, okay? So one possibility. I mean, even human beings are saying, this is beyond us. You know what else is beyond you? The Eucharist. You know what else is beyond you? The incarnation, right? The, the, the scriptures has a, a beyond you story. Yeah, some AI will you know end up in the box here in quantum computing if it turns out to be a real thing. This is, this is not a solicitation to buy or sell Microsoft stock. Um, you know, may end up in the box or it may blow up. It didn't work, okay? But just to show you how interesting this is, turn to the other two things um, that I handed you. Well, I handed you three things, the short ones. So Jack Ma's thing first, right? So for the last, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years, everybody's got to have EQ, be a good leader, you've got an EQ. So Jack Ma says, yeah, good enough. Old-fashioned IQ, there's EQ, emotional intelligence, the ability to relate to other people, right? This concept turned fashionable. And then there's Jack Ma. Second paragraph, if you want to be respected, you need LQ, the founder and executive chairman of Alibaba said. And what's LQ? The quotient of love which machines never have. Isn't that interesting? Like, apparently, sex with a cyborg is not going to be that fulfilling. I actually tried to, you think I'm kidding you? I tried to find you. So, among the other things I did left out this week was an article which I gave to, what's that? What, I didn't give it to you. How are you, you creeping in my stuff? Whoa, 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 whoa. I need some firewall help back there, Come back here. I'm going to need some help here, all right? The sologamy article? It was about sex with Okay, well, so that one I didn't read, you're on your own. But I have read this already. No, but two things. One is, the, the, there's a new kind of far-on-the-edge uh, far kind of trend called sologamy, you can figure this out, where you marry yourself. I gave the article to Pastor Nelson. I could only do about half of it, because it wasn't, unlike these, it wasn't well-written, and it's kind of like, I can, look into a mirror, look into your own eyes, love yourself in the deepest way, the way that you used to love others, but now will only love yourself, Right? Take vows and marry yourself. It's very interesting, right? It's the ultimate Luther-turned-inwardness. So we had that going on. What was the other thing? There's so many things I... Oh, there's... And I, got, I couldn't go back and find this, but there was this... You know, in Silicon Valley, there's this dude from Google who wrote this thing, and he... It's interesting. I've heard a couple of... I've read his article. I've re- you know heard a couple of things in the back and the forth and the political... It's just, It's just so interesting to watch it all happen. In any case, there's been this backlash in Silicon Valley... Of guys now who what does this sound like people who say we're not going to get married we're only going to talk to each other we're going to give up sex and we're only going to concentrate on our task and we're going to live together it's freaking monks <laughs> and i read it and then i you know i have so many things i'm re- i'm reading this stuff trying to and i'm just like so basically People are so angry about women coders that they're going to join a monastery? <laughs> I wish I could have found it. If I could have found it for you, Google it up. All right, so, you know, so one is Jack Moss says, you know what, in response to machines, what we need to do is develop the ability to love. See, now, the, the reason this is interesting is because it's a very short step from we need the ability to love to... Divine love, which, you know, as I said in the sermon to you a couple of weeks ago, is a gift and not a possession, so it always flows through. See, you, over a couple of beers at some little, you know, microbrew outside Palo Alto, you could get some damage done here. And then look at this other one, an Uber, you know, I read this y- yesterday, but they've got more problems overnight, right? So, uh, if you haven't read, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting... Well, maybe you don't care about this. But just look at the... So this is the new... And you know this Uber CEO and the culture and all this stuff. And everybody's mad. And London's not going to let him play anymore. So this is the new guy who came over. Who, by all accounts, is a pretty sophisticated and steady... Um, was he running Expedia? Somebody know? Anyway. Read the stuff. Was Expedia, was it? Yeah. Okay, so just... Read the part that's indented. This is his, this is what he writes to the people at Uber, okay, with all the troubles. This is London said, Uber's out. We're not renewing your nights because you're not a good corporate citizen. No more Uber. No soup for you, okay? While the impulse may be to say that this is unfair, one of the lessons I've learned over time is that change comes from self reflection. You know, like when you kneel down. And you look at yourself and you go, ooh, this is really icky. I, a poor, miserable sinner. You know, like that. So it's worth examining how we got here. Yeah, it's worth reading the Old Testament. And this is an intro. I just have to add this in because he's not all the way there yet. The truth is that there is a high cost to a bad reputation. What? Virtue over tribe? Irrespective of whether we did everything that is being said about us in London today, and to be clear, I don't think we did. Nice. Nice walk back. Good job. It really matters what people think of us. Let your, you know, give no occasion to people speak. This is, right? Especially in a global business like ours where actions in one part of the world can have serious consequences in another. Okay, last thing. This is this article by Alan Jacobs, and I feel like I'm in the last guy in the room. I was wandering around. And I said this one about hating your neighbor will make you dumb. So I marked the points I was going to read to you, and I sort of an- I gave you my annotations because I just you know because I thought we might run out of time. And you can read this. Here's the thing: everybody in the room apparently knows who Alan Jacobs is except me. Um, at least all the Wheaton College people did because he used to go They're Like, hey, Pastor Nelson, you know? He's like, oh, yeah. Jake? Yeah, Jake knows him. Jake hangs out with him. All the cool kids. But. He's written this book on how to think. It is everything I want to say to you. This is just the book review. I've read the book. (laughs) Nobody smart reads books. They only read book reviews. So not enough time to read any books. (laughs) Right? But this, this, um, this is just, it's an amazing, it's just an amazing engagement with the world from the Christian side. Just have a read through this. So here's what we're going to do. All right, next time I see you in two weeks, I'm sure I'll have more things to give you, but I won't write another outline. That I'll, will pinky swear not to write another outline. We'll go back and pick up outline two, outline three, outline four. And if the world doesn't collapse or there's not a nuclear launch, I'll try not to bring, you know, the sex with cyborg stuff or marrying yourself or, you know, quantum computing. Because, you know, I can't control the world. But you never know what could happen. The point is... You're right on target. Although he says you're not supposed to say that because that's a warfare reference to thinking and thinking should be like love and not like war. So you see how damaged we all are. You're right where you need to be. Here's the thing. Stay calm, right? Stay loving. Uh, and if you get angry, just I always, I always think, you just ask yourself what you're angry about. Are you offended for God's honor? Pfft, he'll take care of himself. Jesus? Already crucified. This is why, like, you know, these extraordinarily gross. I don't know if you remember like when they, you know, this piece of art where the guy urinated in a jar and stuck a crucifix in it and that was art and, you know, Christians are all offended. You're kind of like, hey, we already saw this on Good Friday. We, we've seen this movie already. It's, I mean, it's art but not the kind that you think it is, right? So here's the thing. Tranquilo, right? Just like, just, you're not going to do anybody any good if you run around like your hair is on fire. What you will do is if, like Jesus, you know, you open up your mouth, you return evil, or you return good to those who do evil, you lend to people who aren't going to pay your back, and you always have a kind thing to say, don't be what people say you are, right? This goes all the way back to your first question about, is it helpful to say, is it true to say Antichrist? Of course it is. Is it valid? Yes. Is it effective? <clears throat> It's a 2017. We might need to rethink how we're doing things. Okay? And the, the evidence is all around you. All right. Here we go. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation,